Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show we ask whether football was better in the old days. In many countries around Africa, retired great players will tell you that football was so much better in their era than today's. They might say that they were more committed, more entertaining, and that they would have gone further with the opportunities that African players have today. But how far true is that? During our playing days, you see, each one could, ad- could become adventurous with the ball. You could make things happen individually. And individually, each player could change the cosmetic of the game. And also we hear from fans in Kenya on this. It has really gone down. It really has gone down. That is my thought. So it's going to be very interesting. Also a look at the English Premier League as Wilfred Zaha does well for Crystal Palace again. But first, the 2017 club champions of African football will be crowned on Saturday as Morocco's Widat Casablanca hosts al Ahly of Egypt in the second leg of the African Champions League final. The first leg ended 1-1, so the advantage is with Widat Casablanca, who were the 1992 champions, but al Ahly have won it eight times. They certainly know how to get a result at this level. There were amazing scenes in Egypt as al Ahly were forced to cancel their final training session after so many fans turned out to watch them in their session before flying to Morocco. So it's a huge game. It's Widak Casablanca on Saturday up against al Ahly of Egypt. We'll talk about the final on next week's show. And a word about the under-17 FIFA World Cup in India, where England were the champions and Mali had to settle for fourth place. Mali, the African champions, were beaten in their semi-final by Spain and then went down to Brazil in the third and fourth place playoff. Mali were runners-up in the previous edition in 2015. They lost in the final to Nigeria. Nigeria have won it five times, Ghana twice. Uh, so this, in fact, uh, the tournament where Africa are the most successful continent. So Mali finishing fourth overall, a bit disappointing, you'd say, by Africa's own high standards in the FIFA Under-17 World Cup. So our main debate on the show today, we're asking whether it's true that football was better in the old days. Here in Zimbabwe, we have awards coming up at the end of this month to honour the country's greatest players and coaches of all time. The overall award for the best player will be decided by a public vote. And there's been a great debate over the years on this one. There are two Zimbabweans who really starred in the English Premier League. That's goalkeeper Bruce Grobola, who played for Liverpool for many seasons, and striker Peter Ndlovu, who was the first African to play in the English Premier League when it came into its current format in the 1990s. But older fans argue that the best ever is George Shire, who played back in the 1970s, and they say no one will ever match his skills. And they say that football was better back then in the olden days. Well, to give you an idea, here's Eric Isam, who played for Harare side Dynamos in the late 70s and 80s. He says football was more entertaining here in Zimbabwe in his era. You find nowadays uh, the, 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 the present group of players, they are not, no, no longer personally responsible on the pitch of play. The, now when the, when the ball comes towards a, a particular individual player, you can see there is uh, 
an element of him being an enemy with the football. But during our playing days, you see, each one could, could become adventurous with the ball. He could make things happen individually. And individually, each player could change the cosmetic of the game. But you see, uh, the, the present group of players nowadays, because uh, maybe I think, to put it personally, he knows he's got his paycheck at the end of the month. He's, football for him is no longer something that he can use to entertain the crowd. But uh, our, our, the, the players of our times, you, you could feel that when he's got the football in his position, he could make things happen and entertain the crowd. Because it was not a, a matter of earning money, but it was commitment and passion. Uh, to entertain the, 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 the watching public. Well, that's Zimbabwe Yesteryear star Eric Isom saying there was more commitment and passion in his day. Uh, Solomon, it's very hard to compare football, of course, from nowadays with the 70s or 80s across most African countries uh, because things have changed so much. But Eric Isom explaining that in his day there was no professional setup and that it led to more passion, more expression from the players and more entertaining football. Yes, Steve, I think the view of Eric Assam is shared not just in Zimbabwe, but even across Africa. You know, if you go to Kenya, if you go to Nigeria, Cameroon, South Africa, it's the same thing. You know, football fans and football administrators and also football clubs are beginning to feel like other football players are not really committed. Football players are not showing the passion that we used to see in the 70s and the 80s. Growing up for me in Nigeria, especially in the 80s, when I was very very young started following football you know we have great players like Muda Shiru Lawal we have Shegun Madmatical Adugwami uh, we have Bess Ogodengwe the great goalkeeper you know they, they were so committed I remember when this, the Super Eagles were then called the Green Eagles of Nigeria uh, you, you just watching them and the passion that they play with was just so intense that you would just be motivated to not just follow football but to show passion and commitment in whatever you do and we saw the same thing in South Africa, you know, back in the days when players like Joe Mosono, you know, uh, Kaiser Mutaun, you know, who also played in Canada and uh, Major League Football for Cosmos with uh, King Pele, that is uh, Joe Mosono. There was so much, so much passion and commitment to it. And one thing Eric did mention that I definitely agree with is the ability of uh, current players to be able to keep the ball he said it's not about really getting the ball you have to keep the ball you have to you know maneuver the ball around you have to be able to do something creative with the ball which is what, not what we see these days you know so the entertainment value has been taken away a little bit because of that interesting stuff let's hear from kenya where josfat kyoko spoke to football fans in mombasa and asked them how they compare the football of today with the olden days it has really gone down. It really has gone down. That is my thought. So let's now talk about uh, what entertains you as a fan on the pitch mm-hmm. and the commitment of players. Do you think something is lacking in our players nowadays? They've lacked the morale, not as they were before. All the time we see them complaining, see they have not been paid their allowances, they are not been taken care of. That demoralizes them as players. So we as fans... How do we support them? Yet the government itself is not coming out to support our own team. What do you think uh, is lacking in Kenyan football in terms of entertainment and maybe commitment by the players themselves? Compared to those days, current players are not as committed as uh, the ones that we had in those heydays. Because uh, actually in those days there was no money and they used to play even without allowances. But nowadays, as much as there is a lot of money, eh, 
most players actually are money-minded to the extent that they play for money. That one has a little bit defeated the purpose, the commitment that they would have had. And also, when it comes to entertainment, I, I find the football in those days was more entertaining than now because now uh, people just play to score, but uh, not to entertain the, the crowd. <laughs> Thank you very much. My name is Mary Akinyi. I support uh, Gormaya. Gormaya is a, is a team, but it is an old club. In fact, they have improved. To compare the football in the old years and nowadays, those early days, it was marvelous. And in between here, it was dormant. But now, again, it has come up. It has started to improve. You can even go and watch the football. What about um, the challenges? Do you think there's anything lacking in terms of football entertainment on the on the pitch or the commitment of players who play for national team or the clubs? The commitment, I can see they are nowadays committed because after they have played, you'll get that some other leaders are giving, are giving them something, finance, even before they play you'll find that a, a certain leader is promising them something. So by that time, they really had the morale to play. That's the views of football fans in Mombasa in Kenya. Let's get the views now of our UK football expert, Stuart Weir. Stuart, what do you make of former footballers telling us that it was better in their day? Now, it's very easy to look back on the past, I think, with we, we say with rules-tinted spectacles and think, well, everything was better. I tend to think that the great players in any era would be great players now, or today's players would probably have done quite well in the past. But I do love these debates, you know, uh, was George Best better than um, Wayne Rooney? Was Pelly better than Maradona? You know, nobody knows the answer, but we can all have our opinions and uh, we can we can argue about it all day. Well, yes, that uh, debate in particular about Maradona and Pele somewhat reflects uh, our discussion on the standards in African football. You know, this argument as to whether Brazil's Pele was better than Argentina's Diego Maradona, with Pele playing in the late 1950s up to the early 70s and Maradona at his peak in the 80s. Well, that's interesting that when I interviewed Kaká, I asked him about Pele and he said Pele won three World Cups, full stop, end of argument. No other player has done that. And I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it because you can talk about skills, but you can also talk about achievements. And Maradona had amazing skills in that goal against England in 86. But at the end of the day, his career wasn't that long. Uh, he won a World Cup, of course, with Argentina, but perhaps he didn't get the best out of himself. Pelly certainly lasted longer. And, you know, as Kaká said, you can't argue with winning three World Cups. Well, yes, although many would disagree and say that Maradona was the greatest. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. On the show today, we're asking whether it's true that football was better in the old days. Here in Zimbabwe and in many other countries around Africa, retired great players will tell you that football was much better in their era as compared to today's. But, uh, Stuart, is it not obvious that the standards in every sport are improving? Uh, in athletics, world records are being broken every year. So is it not obvious that footballers are getting better too? 
I mean, I, I think, first of all, that, that is absolutely true in all sports, you know, the level of professionalism. Within football, we've seen some massive changes. Uh, I mean, I wrote a book with a Scottish footballer, Brian Irvin, who told me that early in his career, after an away game, they always stopped for sort of fast food somewhere, something with chips. Or uh, By the end of his career, it was compulsory for the players to stay for lunch, and it was always pasta or rice, chicken, fish, vegetables. You know, the club was em employing dietitians to get the players the right food to maximise their energy. And I've recently just read Dennis Bergkamp's book, and he said that when he came to Arsenal pre-season, they did a really tough training session. And that evening, he saw six of the Arsenal players having a beer in a pub. And he said, I just couldn't believe it. They were undoing all the work they'd done that day uh, by drinking. And I think that that is something which has changed massively in English football. You know, the diet and indeed the minimal use of uh, drinking of alcohol. Um, probably in those days... A lot of training was simply ball work. Now teams would have dedicated fitness trainers. So there's no doubt that the players are fitter and faster, have greater stamina uh, than they used to have. But whether they are any more skillful, you know, whether there are players who can do with a ball what Maradona or Best or Pele could do, I think that, that that's a different question, and I'm not sure you could actually say that this the skill in the game today uh, is necessarily greater than it, it was uh, in the past. It's an interesting question also what money has done for the player, because certainly in the English Premiership, you can be a millionaire of not a multi-millionaire just sitting on the bench. And you wonder if people have that amount of money for not playing, are they as motivated as uh, in days past? Yes, so has money changed things? Now, Solomon, the African stars of today generally have achieved more in terms of honours than the older players. But nowadays, most African Premier League teams have fully professional setups, have better funded teams. So it's hard to compare with the stars of the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, as there were more opportunities to go to Europe from the 1990s onwards for African stars. And at national level, more opportunities to achieve, as the Africa Cup of Nations opened up to 16 teams, 24 from the next edition, and the FIFA World Cup uh, was open to five African teams from 1998 onwards, that number going up to nine from 2026. So many African stars in the past didn't have the same chance to get to the big stage. No, not a lot of African football stars got the opportunity to really get on the big stage. And and we have a lot of talented players. You know, you remember uh, players like Joe Mosono from, the, from South Africa, who never really played for his team, never really got to the World Cup because of apartheid and in South Africa and all that. But then you have great players like Sheguna Degwa. I mean, he is one of the most interesting wingers in African football and in Nigeria he's still a big big name Shegun Mathematical Adeguami they call him they never really got the opportunity to really go out there so it, it was kind of like not really 
uh, a conducive time for them to really represent themselves. Even within the African continent, the African Cup of Nations had just two groups of uh, four teams each coming together to play. So you get other countries not really getting into uh, that stage to, to, to really uh, get the opportunity for players to showcase their skills and hopefully get clubs to go up in Europe and play. And Europe itself then used to be at the way that it is, you know. Uh, it used to be only a few African players that go up to Europe, maybe France and uh, Belgium, not a lot in the UK, you know, and a few go to uh, North America, to Canada and also the USA. I think if there was that opportunity to be able to do that for them, it would we would have been really celebrating a lot of names that are not just African or uh, country icons, but they're definitely global icons today. So Solomon, it's a really difficult one to get a conclusive answer to when we compare football of nowadays with the yesteryear football. But can we say that it is better now or can we say rather that it's different these days than it was in the old days? Well, if we look at uh, these days and the old days, I think it was different. I would want to say the money in football has not just made it better, but it has made it different. You know, the commitment and the passion of uh, football players in the 70s and in the 80s, uh, you know, was better uh, compared to today. That's my opinion. It was better than you know, when you compare it today. So I think it's more like a lot has changed from the players to the way club sides are run, to the players' commitment, passion, to the way football tactics has evolved, to the way the national team is being handled, and also... So when it comes to our investment, our corporate investment into football, uh, it, it is different today compared to back in the day when uh, a lot of players and countries uh, just put up football teams just for the love of the game. Because football is a game that really brings uh, people together and also motivate people and inspire people to be who they want to be uh, in the society. You know, it, it, it motivates you to, to be the best that you can be. It makes you smile and happy after watching a game, after your team wins, cheering your team. So it is definitely a different when you look at the 70s and the 80s. And if you look at today, a lot has changed and very different. Okay, let's uh, go back to Stuart. We're in the UK and get his thoughts. So what would you say, Stuart? Can we say things are better nowadays or they were better back in those decades gone by? Or are they simply different? Well, I think the standard of football is definitely better because the players are fitter, because uh, the coaching is more sophisticated, the playing surfaces are better. But whether that is due to tangible physical things or whether the players are actually better uh, is quite debatable. I would say that class players will succeed in any era. So if you were to take a Bobby Charlton, a Dennis Law, a George Best, I think they would be equally big stars and equally successful today. Uh, They might be a bit fitter. Someone like George Best might struggle um, because he used to do a lot of nightlife and uh, drinking. And he might find that that wasn't compatible with the level of fitness he would be expected to have today. But I, I think it's different. It's perhaps more sophisticated. It's more technical, less end to end than it used to be. But, you know, I love watching the old games on television and I love watching the modern games. Uh, I think they're both great. And I would say um, different rather than that one is better than the other. Well, thanks, Stuart. Let's get a final word from Solomon Ashams. Solomon, we watched the 2013 Africa Cup of Nations final together in Johannesburg with Nigeria beating Burkina Faso. 
Would you rather have watched uh, the Nations Cup final back in the 70s or the 80s than that one? What would you say? <laughs> That's a hard one. My very first African Nations Cup final was in 88. I remember Nigeria playing against uh, Cameroon, Morocco 88, if I remember that very well. Uh, before then, I was uh, I watched a bit of the 86 edition, uh, but I would take the 80s. I would definitely go with the 80s because back in the 80s, I remember a player like Henry Wosu. Remember, Roger Millar was actually the reason why Nigeria lost that Morocco 88 final, uh, you know, via a penalty kick. And, and I feel that I saw a lot of passion, I saw a lot of commitment, a lot of flair, a lot of creativity, that in the final we saw between the Super Eagles and Burkina Faso, uh, a lot of that element was missing and I really enjoyed the game in the 80s compared to today. Thanks a lot, Solomon. Uh, This is certainly one debate we would never get to finish, but do give us your views on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Have the standards of football gone down? Talking here both about your country and also internationally. Was it better in years gone by? Was football better in the old days? Go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, next up on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, a look at last week's question on social media. We were asking for your predictions on the African Champions League final as eight-time winners Al Atli of Egypt to take on 1992 victors Widad Casablanca of Morocco. The first leg ending 1-1 and the second leg will be hosted by Widad Casablanca. Well, on Facebook, Mohamed Kande in the Gambia says experience is the best teacher, so Al Atli have a great chance to make it nine titles. Also on Facebook, Hor Us says Widad will be champions because no one wins in Casablanca. That's a good point there because Widad have one of the strongest home records on the continent. On WhatsApp, Saini Kanyi in the Gambia says Al Atli will win it for a ninth time because the Champions League is ingrained in their DNA. Stanley and Ghana agree, saying I tip Al Atli to win it because with their experience and pedigree, they're the ones that I would bet on to win. The reason being that they've been to the finals on so many occasions and they can do it again, says Stanley. Jata Samba in the Gambia also goes for the Egyptian giant, saying it is difficult to predict, but I'm going for Al Atli. Their team is absolutely great and they have great players with much experience. That's why I'm going for them. And that experience in the competition with eight titles also persuades Eb Silla in the Gambia that this year's title will go to Egypt. Al Atli are the favourites, says Eb, because they're very consistent and with their experience they can take it again. To Nigeria and Barnabas Andy thinks the title will go to the Moroccan champions. Alatli are the bookmakers' favourites, says Barnabas, but Widan have done exceptionally well in this year's competition and I would not rule them out on getting one over the Egyptians. They have fantastic players with great pace on the flanks. They are my tip, says Barnabas. Thompson Piri and Zambia agree, saying Widad have a great chance to win. But it must be said that the vast majority of comments we got this week are in support of Al Athli. Albert Kadzombe in Malawi says, Thank you, Planet Sport Football Africa, for the questions that you ask. I always enjoy them. Oh, uh, thanks for that, Albert. That's good to hear. And Albert says, I'm sure Al Athli will win the Champions League, no doubt about that. 
Alpha Jalo in the Gambia agrees, saying Itep Al-Athli of Egypt to win it because of Egypt's recent qualification to the World Cup finals. I think that will boost their morale. Sam Chiquilira in Malawi also goes for Al-Athli, saying they'll take it as they have both quality and experience in such occasions. To Cameroon and Fabrice says, I like to see Al-Athli emerge as champions. I've always admired them. Daniel in Ghana is looking forward to a great contest, saying it's a clash of the titans. Both teams have fought hard to reach the top. Who wins is a big question, but personally I tip Al-Athli. And Lamin Cham in Congo Brazzaville says the Egyptians must win it once again. Their great performance in the Egyptian league over the past weeks leads me to that conclusion. And finally, Abina in Nigeria agrees, but with a note of caution, saying, I think Al-Athli will win it because they have the experience to turn up at this level. But it will be a difficult second leg because Widad have shown decent form lately and the journey is even tougher for Al-Athli considering the result of the first leg. And yes, that's a good point, Abina, as Widad have that outstanding home record in the Champions League this year with six wins out of six and just one goal conceded. So it will be fascinating to see how Alatli respond in Casablanca on Saturday night. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. So this week again, we're asking, was football better in the old days? Give us your comments on Facebook, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Have the standards of football gone down? Was it better in the old days? Is it of a higher standard now? Tell us what you think. And finally on the show for this week, let's focus on the English Premier League and go back to Stuart Weir. Uh, well, Stuart, Manchester City are going great guns in the Premier League, top of the table with 28 points, five ahead of Manchester United. Well, Steve, looking at last weekend's Premier League results, there are three games I just want to highlight. Manchester United beat Tottenham Hotspur 1-0 with a late goal from Anthony Martial. I think that was a crucial win for Man U, who of course started the season with six wins and a draw. Then there was that draw away to Liverpool with really very little ambition. Then they lost at Huddersfield. So I think it really was important that they won. And of course, Tottenham, probably not the team they'd have chosen, but a win, I think, keeps them as serious contenders for the Premier League. Early days, but they're still in touch. Then there was the game between Crystal Palace and West Ham, which finished 2-2. You might call that two managers under pressure. Uh, We all know about Crystal Palace's woes, and the new manager, Roy Hodgson, uh, got them a win over Chelsea. They came from behind, 2-0 down, in fact, to draw with West Ham, and it was Wilfred Zaha, who now is pledged his allegiance to Ivory Coast, who got an equaliser, seven minutes into stoppage time. Wow. But the West Ham story interests me because if you go back to midweek, they were playing Tottenham in an EFL Cup, the League Cup, as we used to call it. And at halftime, Tottenham were leading West Ham 2-0. People were already tweeting about a poor performance, great pressure on manager Slaven Bilic, and then, hey presto, Ghana's Andre Ayew scores two goals in a five-minute spell and West Ham finish up turning a 2-0 deficit into a 3-2 win. And they obviously took that confidence 
into the game at Crystal Palace because they took a 2-0 lead there. And of course, Andre Ayew again scored for them. But as we said, it finished 2-2. But at least a solid performance, a good start by West Ham and some pressure off Slavin Bidic and Andre Ayew certainly doing the business. The third game I want to highlight is Leicester's 2-0 win over Everton. Now, that's what you might call the new manager against the manager list, because, of course, Claude Puel has recently been appointed to succeed Craig Shakespeare as the Leicester City manager, but Everton are currently without a permanent manager, uh, having got rid of Ronald Koeman. Now, Claude Puel, some people might think, was a strange choice, He was at Southampton last year, took them to the EFL final and finished 8th in the Premier League. Quite a good performance, but they only scored 45 goals in their 38 league games. Anyway, he's the one that Leicester have chosen and they started with a 2-0 win over Everton. Good to see a goal by Jimmy Vardy, who hasn't been scoring a lot, created by Riyad Mahrez, the Algerian, and good to see Mahrez, who has struggled a lot in the last 12 months, following up his goal against West Brom and a strong performance last time out against Swansea City, and now creating a goal against Everton. And good to see Mahrez playing well again, because I think he is absolutely vital to Leicester's future. Yes, absolutely. Good to see that uh, Riyad Mahrez assist. But uh, somewhat surprisingly, Mahrez didn't make it on to the 30-man shortlist for the Confederation of African Football's Player of the Year that was revealed this week. Mahrez won it last year, but overall struggled with his game much of this year. Gabon's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who won the award in 2015, is there, along with the likes of Sadio Mane of Senegal, who came third last year. Former winner Yaya Toure of Ivory Coast didn't make it among the 30-man shortlist. 23 of them are based in Europe and the other seven include Egypt goalkeeper Essam Al-Hadari, who's on the list at the age of 44. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashoms in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.